0: Hey, I am so glad that you're joining me in the honest conversations about all things family. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counsellor and a mom. Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. This is going to be a place for us to be real about the mess of parenting. Um, It's a place for you to feel validated and to find some self-compassion and some hope for the road ahead. Let's stand in the mud together because personally, I think that is the absolute best place to start. Hello, beautiful tribe of parents. I really hope that you are thriving exactly where you find yourselves at today. For about the last month or so, I've been giving a lot of thought to parenting in this COVID-19 pandemic. I've been doing some writing about it. Um, And I just feel like we need some kind of time capsule for this experience as families. The impact has not only spanned the map, but impacted people of every age from a utero experience all the way to the grave. This episode is meant to serve us Now and down the road when we examine our collective experience of this time in history, both with its hardships and its emerging blessings. I consider myself among the privileged in terms of my ongoing access to income and a partner who can work from home. I've got friends and extended family who really, for the most part, have either been on the same page around honoring the provincial restrictions and safeguards or have just managed to be respectful in negotiating them. We've maintained our health and our kids are independent enough to entertain themselves and while that first crisis that we found ourselves in trying to transition from school-based learning to home-based learning was that was really hard. Overall, in the last nine months, they've really managed the changes in their school environment and to their schooling education. At the same time, we have had to weather nine months of limited to no long-term care home access where my mom lives with dementia, and we have watched her steadily decline over Skype calls. My sibling-in-laws have lost parents during the pandemic and can't facilitate connection or true closure in meaningful ways. And I may not be out of work, but my job is a position to support mental health and well-being in the community. And the demands have been incredible, and they continue to increase. Today, we're going to hear from six generous parents who stepped up to enter their voice into this podcast time capsule. They will be sharing their vision of pandemic life and learning and expose what hope has carried them through so far. These are parents who gave birth during COVID, who parented toddlers all the way up to teens, and then those who navigated what should have been Send off into a brave new world of jobs, travel, and post secondary education. I asked these parents to attempt to articulate some of the most significant challenges that they've been facing in the last nine months, and here is what they had to say.
1: So I'm Mel Chow, and I live with my husband at home, and I also have a three-year-old son and a new baby daughter. She's just over six months now. Um, so we had her kind of in the middle of COVID in June, um, and I think two kids under three—he's uh, just about three now—two uh, kids under three is is kind of a challenge. And and when we had Paige, my daughter, it seemed like it was going to be pretty challenging to have two kids, but I was pretty prepared for my mat leave. And I had a plan for my mat leave, which included a lot of active indoor activities for the winter that we were going to go through um, since it's quite rainy around here in Vancouver. And I was excited to get out and about with both kids. And I was pretty ready for this new rule that I was going to have. But now that things are all shut down, uh, my plan kind of all just went away. And particularly those rainy or wintry days with both kids is just not that enjoyable for me, not as enjoyable as I thought it would be. Um, And that's probably been the hardest part for me because that's sort of my day to day living. So as my baby can't walk and she doesn't want to have her covering over her head when we're out in the rain and my toddler needs to play and we can't really go to other people's houses and there's no community center, which we plan to go to multiple times a week. The library programs aren't running. I can't take my baby to swimming lessons. So we've we've even tried to get more daycare days for my son, but we've been on a wait list for, for quite some time now through COVID. So I think that's been the, probably the biggest challenge as just that it's just not as enjoyable as I was looking forward to. Um, being off work and having that maternity leave again. And then as well, my husband, he's uh, an IT guy at a school. So you can imagine when they went to online learning, he had crazy work hours and was working late and on weekends and making sure that everything was up and running. And then after that was up and running, he got to be a little bit easier. He was working from home. He was quite involved as I was really pregnant and he was taking my son out a lot as he was off of daycare for a few months and then in the summer after we had our baby he my husband was able to be home a ton and you know in the summer mode of work and he was really active with the kids I was recovering for the summer and it was a totally new rhythm of life for us which we kind of enjoyed at that time and then I think the switch back to in-person learning in September was quite a jolt for us so he all of a sudden had to go from basically like full-time at home caretaking to being at work his normal schedule while I also had my new role having two kids to myself for the first time and I think uh, the biggest challenge was that my husband now wanted to be just as involved with the kids at home so he's trying to manage the the going to work in person and then he's trying to come home for lunch or come home to help with a nap time and still try and do bedtimes and early mornings and take on a little bit too much maybe and I'm also trying to navigate as the mom of two and that's my new job and so I feel like I'm often getting bailed out of my job and so sometimes that feels a little bit junky and I also want the help and so we're kind of It's a bit of a tug of war of what the best setup is right now for us. We both want to be really involved with the kids. We both need breaks. And I just think that shift from online learning to in-person learning was a bit of a jolt. After he had the summer mode and then also that spring mode, that was kind of an easy work period for him. The other thing is that Ezra, my son, has gone from being really independent. So he would play on his own, even from five months old, he'd sit in the living room by himself playing quietly while we got things done to being quite dependent on us and one of our attention 100% of the time. And I think part of that is his age and part of it is having a new baby at home. But I also think it's because my husband was home so much and he got so much attention and so much attention from me being on mat leave as well. We were just all home together and enjoying so much time in the summer together and being out at the water parks and just really enjoying that time as a family. And then now this shift um, where he can't be with us all the time has been, I think, quite the challenge. And also when he wasn't in daycare, he got that extra time at home too. So that was, I think, between April, May, June, July, August. So he had five months where he wasn't at daycare and he was at home with us and we were both home working both working from home as well so you can imagine 5 months uh, with all that attention from both of us and then all of a sudden now it's it's there's some daycare there's back to work i'm putting a lot more attention on the baby so i think that's been challenging we had a baby moon uh, mini vacation scheduled in march 2020 right on the cusp of when COVID was freaking people out, but we weren't really sure if it was worth canceling or not. And uh, they the fairies ended up canceling it for us anyways, but we had um, planned to go away to Victoria with no, no kids. We didn't have our baby yet. And our toddler was gonna be in daycare and have grandparent help. And we were really looking forward to this thing for a long time and We had to cancel it and now I can't get any overnight babysitting because I'm nursing around the clock still. And in the summer when things loosened up around here, I had had the baby and then one of my siblings was able to book her vacation and she got babysitting because her kids are just a little bit older than mine. You know, they went to Victoria, they didn't have their kids, they got the same kind of care that we were looking for from my parents and then my parents thought it looked fun. And then they booked to the same place that we were going to go to and they stayed there and we were just kind of watching everyone go to the same restaurants we were planning to go to. And it was just so sad to watch. And I was, um, yeah, it was just kind of heartbreaking. And so we're still trying to plan this trip and maybe we'll go this summer. But it was like the difficulty of losing that trip, then watching other people do it was was pretty difficult. I was recovering from the pregnancy and yeah, so it was
2: just, that was a hard time. So my name is Erin, I am 39, my last year in my thirties. I am married to Joseph and we have three kids, Mason, Olive and Iris. Um, we Mason and Olive are quite close in age, and Iris was our little rainbow baby. She's two years old now, um, and she was born premature, so there was a lot of uh, stress while well, she spent the first few months of her life in the hospital. And we had one child in elementary school and one child in daycare at the time, um, so we we've been kind of living in a high stress kind of just just on the go constantly, really, since we started having kids, um, Joe said, well, I ended up going back to work and Joe had, uh, Joe was working full-time. And so we had our kids in full-time daycare and it was just this rat race of getting up early, rushing to get the kids up, ready out the door, dropped off to daycare, go to work grab the kids, come home, feed everybody and go. And it just felt like this cycle. And we were excited, you know, once we had Iris that we were going to, you know, things would hopefully calm down because I wasn't going to be going back to work right away. And then we had her early. She was born at 29 weeks and we were now dealing with a baby in the hospital and two kids. And it was actually, unfortunately, three days after I had, Virus, Joe went in for surgery on his knee. <laughs> so at the time we were, uh, it was a little crazy. It ended up being a blessing in disguise because we had Joe off. Um, and once he was able to drive again, it, it, it was convenient. I could focus more on the hospital, but um, there was a lot of stress. And around the same time, my oldest child was um, diagnosed with ADD and um, OCD as well. So there's been a lot of challenges around that as we're learning. I I do find that it's getting harder now that we are, as he gets older, um, he has a hard time connecting with his peers and, and, but he's very social and let alone being in a pandemic where it's really since, I mean, we haven't really been playing with kids, at least in the nice weather, the kids have been playing outside, but then, since November, we haven't been able to have friends for playdates. And I, I mean, as crazy as it is having three kids at home, cause I, you know, just because I thought it would be cool. Why not, you know, homeschool my kids too <laughs> for added stress, but no, in reality, the the homeschooling is the best for us, but having three kids at home has been great. I think of, um, I've talked to some other moms who have only children and, and they're working from home. And I just think, you know, at least my kids have that social interaction because I just can't seem to, I just don't connect with them on the same level that kids connect with. And at least for the homeschooling, I mean, I don't have the stress of, of dealing with, um, particularly Mason's uh, challenges at school with his distraction.
3: So I'm Courtney, and I live in Langley with my husband and our three kids. We have a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And um, about three months into the pandemic, we found out that our landlord was going to be selling our house that we rented. And so um, we started the process of looking for a new home. And that was probably when things started to get really challenging for us. Before that, we already were homeschooling. And so adapting to um, learning from home wasn't a huge shift, uh, but we felt really kind of upended when we had to start thinking about possibly moving to a new neighborhood and completely changing our whole community. I'd say that for that homeschooling piece, uh, the community support, that was one of the biggest loss for me in this pandemic. Um, we rely a lot on kind of a collaborative learning style. So teaching with our friends and trading off subjects that we each are passionate in or educated in. But we do a lot of community groups like girl guides and dance and music classes. And all of those were gone, and so all of a sudden, it felt very isolating to be at home with our kids without any of the support system we had really tried to cultivate over the last few years of homeschooling. Um, It felt like all of our priorities and the values that we've put into education for our kids was just gone, and I was surprised to not be ready to just quickly replicate that at home. Um, Homeschooling on my own is not a challenge I thrive in or wanted. So we really wanted um, a structured setup and all of a sudden that structure was just totally gone. Um, So we had to do showings, we had to have people walking through our house and even though they were masked and gloved, um, it still felt super unnerving to have strangers walking through your home multiple days a week, not knowing how careful they would be and not being there for a lot of those showings. So I think the whole thing just felt really uncomfortable and kind of tied into the other part of what has been the biggest challenge for me is, um, carrying my kids grief. The kids were really grieving the loss of their home and their community alongside not being able to see their friends and all the activities that they love so much and it just felt like the conversations never ended. I feel like the way kids deal with grief is long and slow in my experience. It's usually not one big reaction. Things come out slowly over time um, as those feelings kind of bubble to the surface and and then recede and then come back. And so it was a lot of conversations, a lot of reassuring and um, just sort of processing those really big feelings. And personally, I felt really challenged because I have my own anxiety. And we had our own stresses of practical problems ahead of us, like searching for a house and um, just health decisions. And Um, carrying the weight of that just felt extremely heavy at times and allowing the kids space to have those conversations as much as they needed um, while not overburdening myself and taking on more than I could carry. Uh,
4: To introduce myself a little bit, I am a therapist and a Canadian and right at the end of 2019, I married an American and expected to start start processes of immigration to move to the United States and join my husband and his eight-year-old twins who are now my stepkids um, sometime a year late, probably around a year or more later. So sometime like end of 2020, beginning of 2021. So we were being married long distance. I was there as many weekends as I could um, at the beginning of 2020. And then COVID happened and border closures happened. And I packed for a weekend to visit uh, my family and ended up not leaving. So I had, you know, I had stuff for a weekend in March, went down to the US and haven't left. So there was just a lot of things that didn't, that came with very unexpected timing that didn't go according to plan. um, And that just kind of with, with unexpected transition and unexpected preparation and all of that, it was, it was a lot. And so as a, as a part of that, I was also um, transitioning my therapy business from in-person to online, which I was grateful to be able to do. And then not too long after that, the schools closed and then the kids were at home. And for me, I think uh, amidst all of the other adjustments and transitions and figuring out that was probably the biggest challenge was um, figuring out how to kind of continue on in those in all of those circumstances and support my kids in learning, um, which was completely outside of my wheelhouse. So that and, and that put a fair, like a fair amount of strain on me and then also on my husband, because I just was kind of not at my best and saying, you know, I, I can't handle this. I can't continue to do this. Um, and then dealing with just my own uh, kind of self-critic in that and feeling like I should be able to. And trying to balance that with self-compassion and saying, uh, of course, this is crazy. Of course, this is too much in the midst of all that's going on. So I think that was really the biggest challenge that I saw, like, create the most noticeable um, stress on myself, on my husband, and on my kids. And then so just as a unit where there was just kind of this big ball of struggle around the obligation of education... Um and, and yet feeling completely not up to it. Um, thankfully, for us, in the United States, there are some schools as the as the new year started in September, that we found a, an option of school where the children were able to attend in person um, in a manner that was consistent with the, the like the current health guidelines that were provided.
5: My name is Julian, I live in East Vancouver. I have two boys aged 9 and 13 and I co-parent them and they spend 50% of their of their days with me. I've got a, a full-time job, uh, I work from home and one of the challenges for me uh, in, in, in this COVID era, this ongoing COVID situation was uh, best managing uh, the screen time that, that, that my boys had uh, or have. And the iPad, I mean, and all screens and devices, they really are the best and worst thing all at the same time. And it's They're great because they bring them so much pleasure and information and interactivity. And at the same time, um, that allows me to keep working and do, you know give me some respite and let me do the things that I need to do. And you know, it's also the worst thing because too much of that screen time um, and too, too much repetition of, of the, the kind of things that they're accessing on screen time can quickly turn bad and that has, uh, that has knock-on effects with their, their mood after they put the device down, even just getting the tr- transition away from the device and it really can, can, can set them up for, for not a great um, period of time. After they put the iPod down, and so uh, the you know there was a daily dose that we agreed on with my two boys, and that was uh, sixty minutes. That uh, soon crept up to two hours, and and I'll be honest that sometimes it just wasn't successfully monitored by me. So they they were getting they were getting more screen time than that was, that was healthy, and leading to those those things I talked about um, earlier. You know their inability to to function well and there there seemed to be a real reset needed when it came to you know sort of almost snapping them into the way that they should be responding to the world around them and the way that the way they should be um, interacting with me and definitely with each other.
6: I am the parent of an 18 year old who graduated in the early portion of the pandemic And uh, we have weathered through the last, almost, year with him and his cohorts. Uh, The pandemic has amplified many of the difficulties that teens were experiencing, especially as they were becoming young adults. At the exact moment in time when they are supposed to be moving into a more independent life and really setting their own identities they were held back because of the restrictions for keeping everyone safe for the COVID-19 virus. The space between wanting to leave and be independent but being afraid of not having home as a safety net has been completely suffocated by these restrictions. At the exact time that they were to experience the end of high school rituals, whether that was going to proms or any kind of activities with their friends, to go to university, or just to move out of the high school world of being a child or a teenager, but into a young adult, completely halted and been taken away. Um, You know, many of them never returned. Uh, Certainly our son never had an opportunity to return to their school physically. Um, There were people that were Maybe not in their very tight friend friend group, but you know the ones that they saw every day in classes or at sports and clubs. Uh, they never got to physically say goodbye to them. They never got to say goodbye to coaches or teachers or teacher support or any of that. So there, it was this kind of really strange ending to such a critical point in time. And even as a parent, I know uh, his grandparents. I know speaking with other families and relatives of our own and families within our friend group, um, all of that was also taken away from us. We didn't get to have those last moments of um, just the goodbyes and the the celebrations as they leave um, that help you mark a transition <clears throat> in your life, and one that you remember fondly of your own, and knowing that they'll never have that time is really heart-wrenching. I know that many of the kids have followed the restrictions while watching their other cohorts ignore it uh, with very little consequences. I mean, the kids that are getting sick, um, their symptoms are really mild, if even, and so there's just a little bit of um, I mean, almost a bravado of not following the consequences while others are just really fearful of getting sick or getting family members sick. So again, that just adds to the stress that's already going on. Um, I think that depression and anxiety that's already there with so many of the cohorts in this, in high school especially, um, have become de- as they endure all the endless Zoom classes to finish high school. And then as they move into their college years, they're back on Zoom. Um, So there's no difference between their high school classes and their college classes. So there's no connection to teachers, there's no connection to new students, and there's no physical connection to schools. I mean, the frustration is palpable with the kids. they talk about it, they try to figure out ways to make it work, um, but it's just not at all what they they thought it was going to be like. And they're making decisions, you know, that's the other worry, is that they're making decisions about their college and university plans based on unknowns. See them making decisions that, um, you know, are maybe not the best, but for what they know, you can understand why they might not be making decisions that are uh, necessarily long-term views, but more short-term impacted by the by the pandemic. And then there's all the ones that were hoping to find jobs. And again, the pandemic's impacted them as well. The economic uh influence that the COVID restrictions has had to this cohort is often uh, there's no jobs for them. Everyone is fighting for so few jobs it feels for this cohort that it is going to really leave a mark. Um, You know, lots of people talk about, you know, they're going to be so resilient um, as they move forward into, you know, true adulthood. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to get really tired of that word resilient. You know, it goes up there with unprecedented. Um, They didn't need to be resilient. They were already resilient. They are And, uh, you know, they went to high school when things were changing nonstop politically, uh, technologically, everything. Um, I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, mental health issues that they're going to carry forward with them. And uh, one of the regrets for sure that um, we have is that we wished we had you know, had a mental health professional in our toolkit, you know, we have a general health doctor, we have a dentist, you know, we talk to many people on a regular routine basis, but we never had a mental health professional. And I do think that, you know, that would have been a really important, um, a really important resource to include. Um, so unfortunately that's uh, if you don't have that on a regular basis it's hard to start in the middle of a kind of traumatic event so I just you know there's so many big feelings that the cohorts coming out of high school were already having and then we just dumped everything and then with the American politics and uh, everything going on in that sense it just it inundates them with Uh, kind of an unknowing future.
0: It strikes me that in the midst of such overwhelming and prolonged challenges, humans of every age, culture, and personal circumstance have this innate ability to strive toward better coping, to find threads of hope and gratitude, and to treat defeat like an opportunity. The devastation to our economy, lifestyles, health and wellness are very real. And so is the way of surviving and thriving. Here is what parents had to say about their ways through.
1: Yeah, so I'm quite the extrovert. And on my first mat leave, I was very social. I just found that I needed to be out and about all the time seeing people. I felt a little bit lonely at home. And I've always been like that. I've always wanted to be with other people, be around other people. And I still prefer to be social. But this maternity leave, because I've been forced to be by myself a little bit more or just with my family more and not with friends and playdates and all those kind of busy things, uh, I've kind of leaned into that. And that's kind of been a surprise to me because I've enjoyed that part of my maternity leave. So I've been reading books and listening to podcasts and just exercising by myself and even just resting, which I didn't do much of for the first leave. So COVID's helped me realize it's not, it's not that bad being by myself and I can be okay with it. And it could have been a choice I I made on my first leave, um, but I don't think mentally I could have handled that. I don't think I could have been home so much by myself with my kid and been okay with it. But because I've been forced to do it, and it's, it's like, oh, okay, it's not, it's not that I'm, uh, I'm not interesting enough to have a social life, or I'm not, uh, like, nobody wants to hang out with me. It's like nobody wants to hang out with me because they care about me, and because that's the smart thing to do. So, that's not, yeah, yeah. So with my first kid, um, because I was out and about so much, his schedule was a little you know, it gets something that's really top of mind and something that I thought about a lot. When is this nap going to be? When is that nap going to be? And I'm going to go for a walk with this friend and he's going to sleep in the stroller. And then I'm going to go have lunch with this friend, you know, and with him on my back. And then I'm going to go home and have a nap and, you know, he'll wake up at this time and I can do this activity with my husband. And it was just very scheduled out and everything had to be a certain way. And with this kid being uh at home all the time she just manages everything so she sleeps in her crib all the time every single nap every single nighttime she eats at home every single meal we don't do anything on the go there's no breastfeeding outside anymore um because we're just near home she naps in her crib and me and my son go out right in our front yard or backyard Um, because we don't have anyone to see (laughs) so we don't need to go far away and when I'm not forcing her into my schedule or into my son's schedule and I just let her lead it's just a way different parenting experience and it's been kind of freeing not to think about those things because if she naps 30 minutes I'm fine with that and if she naps two hours I'm also fine with that and I found The first time around, I really needed each nap to be a certain length and it was kind of stressful. So that's been, yeah, it's definitely been something that's helped me cope. I don't really feel like sitting on the couch for two hours at the end of the night with my husband. So we've kind of started doing home date nights. So we do kind of silly fun things together that we come up with ourselves. Uh, we've recorded some videos and posted them online. We created our own artwork for our kitchen. We've written stand-up comedy jokes for just for each other. We've written comic strips just for each other. We listen to podcasts together, have a drink, um, make late-night dinners together just for us with no kids. And it's just been so much fun. And I think whether, you know, this world continues or not, we we'll probably want to continue those activities. I think that's been a lot more fun than just watching
0: TV or watching movies.
2: You know, 2020 was a hard year. I, I mean, it, it was, has been for everybody, but I think the thing that I have found amazing in it is I have given myself so much grace. I've allowed myself to finally just take a moment and as long as my kids are fed and are learning and are, you know, we're just getting through it and we're figuring out that, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect in, in our house and that, and that's okay. And it's not going to be like that forever. Uh, Continuously reminding myself that this is but a season, albeit, a long season it is a season in our life it's just given me such a greater understanding and ability just to be kind to myself um and also learning really clearly what my boundaries are and being able to say no <laughs> just which is a hard one for for me um and with being a homeschooling I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself for, you know, the concerns about what what's getting done. And so, you know, I laughed. Yes. Just yesterday, I had uh, just said, you know what? I'm not going to fight with my kids, trying to get them to do some like to do their schoolwork. So I cleaned because for me now, it's not for everybody, but for me, cleaning is my happy place. I enjoy cleaning. It's very satisfying for me. And I just allowed myself to let the kids fend for themselves. I mean, of course I fed them and made sure they were safe, but fend for themselves. And I just enjoyed cleaning. I didn't care about the screen time. I mean, really, 2020, 2021 now. S- screen time limits are are very generous in this household. Um, and I think it has to <laughs> it has to be for for me at this point. But I really enjoyed just being able to to wipe my hands and not take on the stress of things that I can't control. Cause you know, I have anxiety myself and, um, there is a lot of things that you just stress, absolutely stress about. And it's okay that I can't control everything. And it's okay that we don't know what we're doing, because I don't think anybody does. Um, one of the things I've actually really uh, found beneficial during this uh, pandemic, as well, especially because we all know how social media can really affect those stress levels. You know, prior to 2020, you know, you you're looking at these um, Instagram or Facebook posts, and you see these moms who look like they have it all together. And I will tell you, I am not one of those moms. The posts that you see, I, I mean. There's kids screaming in the background. I look like I maybe haven't showered in a week (laughs) or that I I like to jokingly say that I look like I just called it crawled out of a garbage can Um, and not on purpose. I mean, it's just reality of my life, but everybody is going through the same thing. People don't have the opportunity to go to all these wild places and it's soothing for my soul to be able to see that and being able to just, know that not everything is as squeaky clean. And I know it's easy for us to tell ourselves that, but when you're bombarded with these pictures continuously, it is very hard to still connect that truth with what you're you're looking at. Um, so that has been good for me. And, you know, my husband and I have been trying to find ways to connect as well. I mean, it's very hard when everybody's home all day long and you don't really have anywhere to go, just trying to find those fun things to do has been hard, but we've been trying to, my husband and I have been just really, you know, working as a team so that we can have our like date night, which, you know, sometimes just includes sitting on the couch together, watching a show because that's where we're at in life. We don't, we can't just call up a babysitter right now. Um, we're just trying to find like my, like our way of surviving right now is not looking at a huge picture of what we don't have but just trying to work with what we have and just being really forgiving to each other to ourselves and we spend a lot of you know we have times where we're apologizing to our children we're we're human we get angry we snap our kids snap we see how this affects them and you know we're just we're all trying to learn at this and we just try to keep open communication, not just between us, but with our kids. And, you know, I have my support system, my, my mom, and I have friends that are a big support system. I tell you that group chat with my high school girlfriends has been giving me life in 2020 and carrying into 2021. Um, We can't get together, but being able to check in, uh, daily, weekly, whatever it needs to be, um, and just have that reassurance that you're not alone and hearing funny antidotes and stories of some of the issues that they're going through has, has been really amazing. We're just trying to find uh, a way to laugh every single day. And that, you know, if we have a bad day, it's okay. A bad day is a bad day and there's always tomorrow and just trying not to go to bed angry. And if we do go to bed angry, at least we try to wake up with forgiveness. So, um, you're not alone. Parenting is stressful and I don't have any of the right answers. I don't think anybody does, but at least what works for me is humor. And, um, I mean, really, if you have kids, there's something to find humorous. I mean, we have a a two-year-old, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. so there is always something funny happening. And for me, it's just letting go of the anger, letting go of the expectations on myself because I'm the only one that's affected by that. Um, nobody else is putting expectations on me; they're the expectations that I assume people are. But uh, if I once I started letting go of those, I have been feeling much much better, and it's been um, it's been good. And I think uh, I think my kids are learning that you know, mom can't do everything. And so getting them more involved in things as well has been a big help.
5: So one of the things that really helped with managing screen time was assigning a, a sign-in sheet. Uh, so what that is, is it's, it's, I've, I've got a clipboard and it's got some paper and a pen in it. And on that sign-in sheet, both my sons would write down the time that they started their screen time and also the time they wanted, how long they wanted to watch for. And that set as a specific, um, here's, here's, here's the start time. And it set, they, they set an expectation with me as to how long they wanted to watch. Okay. So they're going to get, um, we give them 90 minutes at the moment and they know they've got, they've got 90 minutes of screen time and they're going to watch 30 minutes right now. So, um, well, they would write that down, that time down, I'd quickly verify it. And uh, I'd all, at the same time, I'd always set, set an alarm on their device and often on mine as well. And that, that way they would know when the screen time was coming to an end. And um, I, I mentioned transitions earlier and uh, that's one of the things that, that um, one of my sons struggles with a little bit. So one, one thing I found very helpful was I set a five minutes to go alarm on my phone and uh, that, that really, really helps. Um, and a, f- a fun little thing that we started doing with that, with that uh, sign-in sheet as well is we started working on our ability to tell analog time. Okay, which key can tell analog time anymore? Uh, and this, this sheet helped with that because what I asked them to do is I asked them to draw a clock face and some hands and I'd ask them to, to draw on there uh, without looking at an analog clock um what that start time would be and when we were done what that end time would be so it, it certainly it certainly taught them a skill that uh, they didn't already have um, my eldest has got a uh, is lucky enough to have a, a an Apple watch but he never has a set to analog and uh, now he does because he can tell analog time so that was pretty cool wrote down the shows they were watching or the movies and uh, one thing that <laughs> was kind of interesting was um, and a little concerning to me is that it charted the downward spiral into 90 minutes of TikTok every single day. So that was interesting seeing that, that take over, but that, that, that sign and sheet definitely helped. And it's a, it's a habit for them right now. And I don't have to tell them to, to, uh, to write that start time down and how much they were of their screen time. They want to budget in that session. And, um, yeah, their, their analog time telling is, is pretty good. A movie we watch, for example, which is Moana, which is a great movie. Um, there's, there's sailing in there. There's um, there's a navigation. There's a lot of really great information about um, islander culture. So, so uh, for, for that ex- for that movie uh, specifically, there's a scene where um, uh, Maui, the god, and some sailors are shown uh, tying a knot uh, in, in, with with rope, and that knot's uh, called a bowline, and uh, I saw that as a great opportunity to, hey, let's learn some let's learn some knots. So we started on the easy ones um, first, the reef knot and the, that sort of thing, and we went to the bow, the bow line. And then we even um, to try and kind of reinforce those learnings, we went outside and we found somewhere where we, where we could start tying that. So we went to a local playground, pretended it was our, our boat, and we took our ropes, which were actually just skipping ropes we had at home. And we started t- tying those knots again, and it, and it was fun. And we talked about how the how we saw those knots tied in the movie, and what they were used for, and what they could be used for. And it really it re- really led to a, um, a really rich experience and a and a, a memorable and a practical one as well. Moana in the movie uses uh, star navigation in that film, and there's a really c- cool scene and a cute scene where she uses her hands to measure the angles between a star and the horizon to find latitude so so we looked at our own night sky here in bc and the stars and uh and we we talked about how it's different from the night sky that moana would have seen uh in the southern hemisphere um i'm from the southern hemisphere both my boys are as well so we talked a lot about the sky that our um ancestors would have seen and uh, how they would have navigated And um, that was a great discussion. We started talking about compasses and maps, and then we started talking about GPS and Google Maps, and it really was a lot of fun, fun all around.
4: I think the greatest factor of resilience that gave me resilience, um, put simply, was relationship. Uh, Starting with my kids, they... As as children who were just sort of going, adjusting to the realities of their parents' divorce and of me entering their life as a new caregiver, as a new parent figure, um, they were incredibly warm-hearted and open and receptive to, um, to me being in their lives, and they were very open and receiving of my love and very responsive to efforts that I made to. Um, to love them well and to meet their needs. And not that that happened every time and not that it was all as glorious as that sounds, but there was just a consistent open-heartedness on their part and that I could see often enough that my efforts were, um, were getting in, were meeting them, that it kept me going when it wasn't. Uh, similarly with my husband, just the, the many moments... Where I could see him noticing my my distress, noticing um, that I wasn't okay, noticing what the kids needed, and and working hard to step in, even where even in places where he didn't feel confident or where um, he also was struggling and distressed, but just like digging deep to be able to care and so, like to do it together was also a huge factor for me. I think to add on to just what what is there with some of the kids. I mean, their open heartedness to me in general, but also their childlikeness. Um, there was such a receptiveness and a, and a capacity in them as children to uh, to adapt and to see the adventure in something and to kind of come at life with wonder and curiosity and. Joy, and they they would do so with like very what felt like very small amounts of prompting or input or opportunity from me. So it really felt as though you know I was putting in a little, and then it just kind of would and and would get back a, a lot more than I put in, and that that in itself also created a lot of of just internal reward and motivation. So yeah, Um and then the biggest i i am someone for whom my relationship with jesus is central and life shaping and and life giving and i think the constancy of that of knowing the constant presence and the constant equipping of jesus in my life is by by far and away (laughs) the biggest factor that has has kept me going and added meaning and capacity to days when i felt like there wasn't any
3: i would say the one of the main coping strategies that i found through this whole process has been exercise uh before I never made time for it or prioritized it, but it's actually become somewhat of a ritual and a sacred space for me. Um, physically, it obviously has benefits—endorphins and becoming stronger and healthier—but it's also become somewhat of an emotional tether for me. Um, it's just reminded me that my well-being matters, and I'm strong and I'm capable. And by the end of having that time alone with myself, I just feel a lot more grounded and a lot more capable to handle all of the additional burdens that we have on our plate as parents during this pandemic. Um, My husband and I also go to therapy every week. And that's been a huge grounding point for us. That was something that we started um, probably about a year or two ago. And it's just been an incredible weight off of us to have a safe place to digest all these huge feelings and kind of bounce ideas off of somebody about how to parent and uh, what an emotionally healthy way to handle these really big um, feelings can look like as as parents. Um, Yeah, we've also tried to stick somewhat to a schedule while also making room for like weird random fun. My five-year-old planned a party the other day, um, and used her Christmas money to buy a piñata and fill it, and made a cake and made decorations, and we watched a movie, and she made mud masks, and there was no occasion. We just had a little family party at home, and it was probably some of the most fun we've had this whole time, just because we've had a lot of celebrations come and go without really being able to like do what we would normally do—birthday parties and um, different things like that uh my husband had a cd release that came and went and we didn't get to celebrate it with anyone um and so it was really fun to just say yes to those things and and kind of allow myself to let go and have fun with the kids for for no reason and not really any structure to it Um, and then balancing that with keeping structure wherever we can places like food and boundaries and our family expectations around the house has been really important.
6: I think one of the upsides is perhaps they are all going through it together. Um, So in 10 years, when somebody says, hey, when did you graduate from high school? And their response is 2020, um, there'll be an asterisk beside that number and beside that year. And everyone will recall, oh, Um, that must have been, you know, hard or that must have been, you know, whatever difference it was to everybody else's experience. I think on things that we're grateful for, I think that it gave our family uh, an opportunity to spend a little bit more time um, to work through some of the difficulties of deciding about what to take in university. So I think the colleges are a little bit um, less critical of how their students are working. So it's been a a little bit easier of a transition into those classes. Um, So I think that's a saving grace. Um, I think I'm still so much in the midst of everything that's going on within the restrictions and moving in moving out of it hopefully soon with the vaccines that it's really hard to be retrospective and say that you know there's been you know a really kind of silver lining to all of this yet um I think it'll take some time for me to think of ways that this past year and the year coming has helped but um I don't see a silver lining, but I tend to look for one, and I hope that eventually I will find one. But right now, um, it's kind of head down, trying to get through it is the best that I could say right now. You
0: may have found yourself in some of these stories or have felt a new sense of appreciation for the lived experience of someone that you maybe have not considered before. My hope is that this episode offers you a timestamp on pandemic family life and encourages you to remember this time as being truly in this together. Thank you for witnessing the hardships and for holding one another up. Here's to hope moving forward. Stay kind. Timestamp, February 5th, 2021.